Did Santa bring you everything you wanted him to bring? Why am I saying this so creepily? <laughs> Welcome to this post-Christmas not-so-common podcast. It's Christmas time has passed. Depression setting in December 26, 2018. I'm Pat Contry. Of course, you know that. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't listen to this or or you would avoid this. So you're not hearing this if you didn't like me. I'm, I'm getting way too meta already. So anyway, so um, this is going to be a somewhat quick uh, podcast. It's also somewhat act as like a 2018 recaps slash 2019 uh, plan going forward. I don't know. I haven't done like a, a channel update in a while. I've sort of gotten away from that in uh, recent years uh, slightly. But uh, yeah, um, uh, my cell phone died though, which I know it's it's first world problems, uh, literally. Uh, even though the second world probably has cell phones too at this point. Uh, maybe a little bit of third world, but, but it's mostly a first world problem. And uh, it just died. Like a uh, two-year-old phone. I think it got some moisture in it. Um, I won't get into that how, but it got wet. <laughs> probably at some point and got moisture in it and um a little bit but it just it it was like days after that happened where it just died it just i went from charging it just died out and um the problem with it is I, I i thought i had backed up all the contacts there's like a verizon backup app and uh for your contacts and i'd done that i think like a year and a half two years ago i hadn't done it recently so i lost contacts from this past year so people i'm working with collaborators Things like that. If you don't hear from me for a while, that's why. Feel free to text me in a few days once I have a new phone and I'm up and running again. So I'm on like, I'm on like a backup burner phone right now, which is terrible. It's an Android device that, you know, I'm just not used to it. Plus, it's a slower phone. It's a few years old. But anyway, so the problem with, with not backing this stuff up, then I didn't back up my pictures either. I don't believe in the cloud. It gets hacked into, and then you have, all of a sudden, you got, you know, Naughty Picks a pack, Pat Online, you know, in the next uh, fappening. <laughs> you know, I don't want that to happen but um the problem is we're so tied to our phones now in everyday life and in particularly that phone just because for example uh i did this uh last minute sort of thing instead of working on a new uh punk video i, I figured i'd take a day off and work on you know re-rendering all my christmas specials and putting them on twitch and i did this twitch day marathon twitch.tv slash uh was it country code c-o-n-t-r-i and that's my twitch channel which i rarely do anything with but i decided to do like a christmas marathon just the same way the Christmas story plays on TBS for 24 hours. So nine episodes, eight or nine episodes, something like that. Uh, and then I was on my, my computer, uh, my main computer now, and it asked me for my Google Authenticator to log into my Twitch account. So when you're logging into a new device where you haven't logged in before, it'll ask to authenticate to make sure that it's not getting hacked into. And that's on my iPhone, that app. So I like panicked because I was like, oh shit, that's not good. Because I, I wouldn't know if I couldn't access my account, I could even change it to a new, new phone number, my burner phone. I'd be totally screwed. Thankfully, I was logged into my laptop already on Twitch. So I was able to upload those videos and schedule it. And, and all 100 and plus unique people that watched that marathon, be thankful that I was logged <laughs> into that. And then, like I said, there's some contacts I don't have. Losing the videos and pictures. I went, just went to the zoo a couple of weeks ago, less than a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, losing those, those pictures is going to suck. I actually called someone to see if they could, you know, fix the phone. And they said that most likely not. Um, there wasn't a huge amount of damage inside, but there was enough that, you know, it, it, the motherboard might be shot. And unfortunately, 
the you know the motherboard is where the the, the memory is on an iphone i don't know why they don't have it separate separate out uh, separated out and i don't know why they don't allow you to do a little memory card like an android device i you know apple likes their products locked down that's the one huge grievance against apple everything else i don't mind they're overpriced yes but it, they make a solid device nice U, uh, ui and things like that nature nice gooey but locking that out is fun, is bad so i might have to go to like some forensic guy to get all the you know pictures and not just that it's like all your old text message history is tied to that uh and all your uh app uh not your app data thankfully let's most of your app data does not exist locally it's tied to your account so that's the one good news about if your phone totally dies and you can't revive it or go to the store and have it transferred to a new phone which in this case i'm not i'm just buying a a slightly used phone and just transferring out my sim card to a, a new phone uh, i'll be able to you know get in but i'll have to I'll, i won't have my pictures i won't have my apps download i'll have to remember all the apps i have <laughs> It's like, oh my God, what scanner app did I pay for? That's the good news is that you don't have to repay for all your apps that's tied to your Apple account. Yay, small miracles, right? Yeah, so it just sucks because it's it throws your life for a loop and then I couldn't um I couldn't I couldn't you know wish anyone a happy birthday, text or call. I'm sh- I'm sure if I went to my text history in my Verizon account, I'd see like all these texts from people, their numbers, doesn't say your you know the name next to it. And so people are like, Pat's a an asshole, didn't text you back uh, Merry Christmas. On, you know, on Christmas. Uh, did I say happy birthday before? No, I remember Christmas. I don't know. My mind's all scattered with this. Losing this phone is like, like the, 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 just the gut punch that was the end of 2018. Because 2018 started harrowing and finally got decent for me, like the middle of the year. And it's gotten better as it's gone along. But um, this is like the one, uh, you know, punctuation mark that could define 2018 for me would be losing, losing my phone and, you know, lost to the annals of time. Uh but the one weird thing that happened on Christmas Eve is that like an hour before my, uh, before my cell phone died, I, you know, I texted my sister and said, you know, we're in a FaceTime with the family because she's out in Pennsylvania with my parents. And so, uh, I couldn't do that. So I was freaking out cause I was, cause I couldn't go back this year. And so, um, FaceTiming is the second best thing. You get to see everyone and talk to them. So. I had to jump through hoops in order to do the FaceTime because my first of all, my sister. So I get my burner phone. So now I got to remember what is my sister's phone number. So thankfully, I go online to my Verizon account. There's a bunch of contacts in there. Not all my contacts. I, I don't have them for like the past year, I think. So I see my sister's phone number. I text her. I said, "Okay, can you download like Viber or some other app in order to?" She says, "I don't know my, my iPhone Apple account is to download a new app." I'm like, "Okay, fine." So the next step is then I have to then. Um, find FaceTime on an Apple device that's not mine. So thankfully, my I use my MacBook Air, but I never boot into the Apple side. I always boot into the Windows side. So I reboot into the 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 Mac side of that for the first time in like a year probably or close to a year. And I don't use anything in there, but there's a FaceTime software you can put in someone's phone number and, and FaceTime. So I, I log in and then the Wi-Fi is not coming up. Then I remember that I changed my Wi-Fi system because I got the Eero uh, system now. So all, all new, uh, I have an all new modem. So I had to redo that. It's it's a new network name. I kept the same password, but that password was saved on like the little text file app on my iPhone. Because I figured, oh, if someone asked me, I just bring up the little notes, little notes section on my iPhone. I'll tell them the, the Wi-Fi password. So I didn't have it written down anywhere anymore because I'm an idiot. I thought I even had it saved on, on my own computer, like on the desktop, and I didn't have it. 
So now I'm like, this is the worst fucking day ever now. Because my, my, my sister's going to think I'm an idiot or I'm an asshole, whatever else. And my, my parents will be disappointed. So I went to like this semi-enraged, determined, like mind meld of myself to figure out and visualize what my Wi-Fi password was. And it's like a 10-digit password. What is it? It's like, yeah, 8 to 10 words and letters. And I managed to remember it on the first try. I, I just looked in my mind. I'm like, okay. I sort of like visualized what it was on the, on the notes section. And I was like, okay. And I typed it in and it kicked in. I'm like, okay, great. And then so I managed to FaceTime. So that's what technology does to you. You don't remember anyone's phone number. Because why did you know, dial numbers ever again? Uh, hell, you don't have to even press any numbers. You just tell Siri, hey, Siri, dial this number for me and I'll do it. And then you don't, your, your Wi-Fi code and everything else is, is attached to a single device that your life runs on. I don't know who's trying to get in touch with me the past few days. I have no idea. You know, there's, there's business things going on as well. And, and people out there, you know, just, just email me if you're, if, you, if you're trying to get in touch with me or, or, or direct message me. So it'll get, it'll get fixed within a few days. A new phone should be on its way. And I didn't feel like paying 500 bucks. You know, like a new iPhone's like a thousand dollars for the latest one, like $1,200, something like that for the best iPhone. When iPhones first came out, people thought it was insane that they were like three, four hundred dollars. They thought that was nuts. And now it's like, oh, you can get a four-year-old iPhone for $300 or $400, which I ended up doing, a slightly used one. I think I spent like 250 on, which like the best deal I could find. Uh, literally a day before eBay did the 10% off sale. Thank you, eBay, uh, for that. Just to throw salt, rub salt in the wound a little bit right there. Um, but the, the cell phone stuff just bothers me on a level. Not because it, it actually happened. I mean, I, was, I guess I was careless with the phone, and I'm lucky that I've never had a cell phone fail before this i've had cell phones now for you know 14 years this is the first time ones actually went out and actually failed like this but the fact that i know i'm just so so tied to it and i can't do anything about it for the rest of my life it's it's the device for everything you know it authenticates who you are for some programs and it it, it has all your, your loved ones in there and it has your pictures and your videos that i'm an idiot for not backing up i, again, I thought it was backed up when you put it when you connect to your computer and the itunes app you didn't sound like you had to go through some steps and processes and there you go so so there you have it so i'll be back out my with my new used iphone uh soon enough and then um yeah i can get i can get on the back uh, rest of my life that would be fun so uh year in review real quick before i get into christmas stuff and uh, Santa Claus and things like that. This has been a very um, tough year. Uh, and it started with the fact that I late last year I moved into, you know, Castle Country. I know you're tired of hearing about that, but that's pretty much dominated my life the past year. Moving into my first house and moving and selling, you know, my old condo. And uh, I, I went through a breakup at the beginning of the year. Not a good breakup at all. Um, but it had to happen. It was good that it happened um, for both our sakes. And and just a lot of stress from 2016, from the beginning of 2016, finishing the book and all the drama of the, releasing the book and doing that circuit. 2017, still getting the book out, going through a reprint of the book and then uh, other things happening. Looking for a house was like a five to six month pro- uh, process before I set it on a house. Um, and uh, while this is all going on, I'm still doing 10 conventions a year and I'm still putting out Originally, one podcast twice a week, then one podcast every week at the beginning of uh, 2017. This podcast has been going on for almost two years now already. And 
it's just been a, a ride and then fixing up the house, moving all my games, closing out my storage unit. Uh, thankfully not too many things were broken in the move or, or lost. Like when I came over from Jersey and lost my uh, Nintendo power tips, cassette tape, just things like that going on, helping out with other side projects, uh, you know, consulting with a convention, helping, you know, with that still putting out NES punk episode now and then, and, and any other drama along the way that I'm forgetting about. And just a lot, a lot that has gone on in this year in particular, it didn't, you know, once we got to November in a certain event, it got a little tougher, but that's okay. Uh, this year has taught me thankfully to slow down a little bit and to just take a breath and not, I, and, and know that I can't push myself at the rate that I could do it previously. And that's not healthy. Uh, you know, that mental health, not that I ever took mental health for granted, but I don't think I, I, I think I overestimated my strength in order to get through some of these rough patches and, and to, I usually was good at absorb, at absorbing all these hits. And like the, like the past year I, I mentioned before, um, and this isn't like, Oh God, look how great Pat is. No, this is a, this is a warning to myself that the NES marathon last year in 2017, I closed in my house literally, you know, the day before the marathon. So I had all this drama going on, planning the marathon, going to Portland Retro Gaming Expo, dealing with getting this loan, uh, dealing, dealing with getting this house, you know, termited, uh, termite tented and, and getting approved and things of that nature and negotiating and setting up the, the, you know, hopefully the move and things like that in this tight span. And this is right before the holidays and all that, you know, setting up the charity marathon and doing that. And then I could even enjoy the fact that I, you know, a major life accomplishment, buy my first house and then. I go right into this marathon event. And right after that, I go right into, you know, doing the Steam events video, which I should have postponed. Um, that was stupid to do that. Then I got sick for a week, which I didn't think I talked about at the time where I got really sick for a week. And then I got to move and pack it. Then I, you know, go through the holiday season. And then that's the start of a breakup that happens in early January. And then it just was so much that, uh, you know, I turned into a, a zombie, at least in my own uh, mind. And I think that what other people saw, you probably even saw on the podcast a little bit, but I was probably good at hiding it. First, like four months of the year, I was a zombie. I was just like barely functioning, like barely getting along with things and not thinking clearly. The fact that I've done more organization in my place here, I've done more accumulative organization the past month or month and a half versus the first six months of the year. The fact that it took me, uh, months and months and months and months to you know establish my LLC when it should have taken like a short amount of time to get me up and running and do my payroll and things like that just acting very slowly on on a lot of stuff I think I got more focused once I got to June I did it was a 10 year anniversary of my YouTube channel that sort of put things in perspective about where I came from versus where I am and I did that you know that uh that not so calm podcast about the 10 year anniversary for my parents place uh, outside too many games in June and just pondering the the journey I've been on, I, I think helped and it focusing on doing that 10th anniversary video, which was the only path, the NES punk video this year, there might be one if I boot my ass, another one before the end of the year, but, um, that helped a lot too. I think getting back to the roots, so to speak of where the channel came from, even though people say, Oh, Pat, what happened to these videos? I thought this was a retro game channel. The, there would be no channel left at least per, if it wasn't for this podcast, I would not have had a channel. It would, the channel would have died out, you know, around the time when this podcast started in, in 2013. It would have died uh, by two, or, or it would have been like, you know, just a hobby channel where you might have seen me once every two months do a video and that's it. And some of you might prefer that, but then, then I can't 
live off it. I can't make it a career. I couldn't have, uh, you know, focused on doing a, an NES guidebook on the side, now a Super Nintendo guidebook, and maybe future books and other ventures that I'll talk about. There's a lot of stuff coming up in 2019 that some I can talk about, some I can't right now, which is why I'm excited for 2019. Because 2018 was sort of like the table-setting year, so to speak. It was sort of the year where, okay, it's uh, life upheaval, which started in 2017 towards the end. Life upheaval. This is like a new chapter. You're going to keep a lot of the old, but you're going to shed a little bit, but now you're going to add more going forward. And uh, that's going to be, it's exciting and fun, but 2019 is going to be a very, I think, knock on wood, shake the snow globe, a very good year professionally, hopefully personally as well. Um, And then we'll see what grows from there. Um, Yeah. Two podcasts, YouTube channel, video series. Um, Super Nintendo book is going to come out next year. Uh, there's an independent video game that I'm executive producing that I haven't really spoken about that much, but that'll be news next year as well. Uh, there might be another independent game that I'm a part of in some way. That's sort of on the periphery, though. That's not going to happen anytime soon. Um, there's an outside business venture outside of the YouTube and podcasting stuff that I might be getting into. There's a documentary That'll be coming out next year that I'm creative consulting on and helping to executive produce there as well. So there's a lot of things happening. There's another thing I can't talk about happening as well. So this was a, a table setting year of setting all these things up. I had a big Wired article come out. I keep forgetting to have it. That came out like, what, April, late April? Was it April 1st, April 2nd, around there? It came out March 30th. And it was interesting because that was an article that some people took negatively as look at this guy you know, it, it described me as, you know, like, like a middle-aged, and I guess you can consider 38 middle-aged, um, uh, who knows, but it's just, the, it, to paint it like I didn't know where my career was going, and, and that's not I'm, not, I'm not putting the author of the article down, because I said, consider the author somewhat of a friend, being that I spent so much time with them uh, the past couple of years in order to write that story, because originally there was going to be one written about me a few years ago, uh, but some people looked at it as sort of depressing, but I don't think it's depressing at all. I think the, the article was like a the snapshot into my life, but it, it obviously didn't tell the whole story. Um, even then it didn't. I'm not a YouTuber. Like, that's not what I am. In term, yes, I'm on YouTube, yes. But when people say, oh, you know, you're a YouTuber, you're that, and it's like, well, no, YouTube is one of the things I do out of several, um, several things. And um, that's just the, the reality of it. You have to accept it, whether that's good or bad. When I think of a YouTuber, I think of someone that they're on YouTube. That's their 95% source of income. And that's 95% of, you know, what they do for their entertainment to get themselves out there. That's not me at all. Um, So whether it's more production I go into, whether it's more streaming, that's actually the one thing I regret. I really overestimated the amount of time I'd have. I promised to start streaming like back in like June, July and say, I'm definitely going to do it. I didn't have time. I just couldn't. I'm working on a, you know, Super Nintendo book. I'm still trying to, you know, finish that up for next year and then the Kickstarter and do that things. There's just no time for it. Um, these one-off little stream things I did, like for the 10th anniversary, I streamed um, uh, the, the NAS Punk 10th anniversary video. I like, like live stream, premiered it there. And then like the fifth anniversary podcast, uh, which again, that happened around the same time as well. That was a couple months later in August. So it was like, a, a, this is a, like an interesting looking back year. I, I announced the end of the market man is eventually to come. I have, you know, about 13 more episodes to, um, or 70, whatever it is, to, to edit. I have to do that. Uh, Ask Frank is, is no longer around. Um, 
the frank crates we might do one more and then close that out i just don't have time for all of these different ventures and like this is the evolution of sort of the career on youtube and off and um that's fine it's it, you you should accept the change that that's coming uh especially if it's positive and you see things moving forward you don't want to keep just you know um i don't want to be like other youtubers and and be stuck to a ecosystem that can change on a whim like it did for many of us around april may where all of a sudden you know a lot of people myself included and others they saw like a 25 30 percent reduction in views automatically just because the algorithm changed and a lot of the older videos that were like you know the sleeper hits that always got watched and viewed were no longer i guess being recommended to people and that happened to me it happened to other people and that sort of bled over into the new videos um i won't say who but Someone that's a dear friend of mine I've worked with before was saying that, yeah, I put out a new video and it got like maybe, you know, a, a quarter of the amount of views that it typically would have done the same as that video two, three years ago. That's just the reality of the situation. And you can't, you can't fight it. Yes, you can whine about it, but it doesn't really help to do that. You just move on to other things that you are drawn to, that you enjoy, that you could think would benefit from your time being contributed to them. And that's what's happening in my career as well. But I can still do these podcasts. So that's why, that's why, you know, if it wasn't for this podcast, I wouldn't have this career. The podcast made it uh, simpler for me to, to keep a presence on a, on a YouTube platform while also building a platform off of YouTube. I think a lot of the, the people watching this on YouTube won't realize that a chunk of people, uh, more people will listen to this without the video or just about the same amount versus watching it, unless it's a weird one. Unless it's someone I, I you know, I get like, um, say I interviewed like James Rolfe, or I interviewed someone again like Mel Juice Rocks, where people on YouTube would be drawn to it. But if it's just me and someone you may not have heard of, or someone doesn't have a big YouTube following, or just a random Pat Ramble, it might do better uh, audio-wise, because there's a whole audio ecosystem, which I'm so glad it's separate than YouTube. Because at least audio-wise, you're not really... Uh, controlled by the same sort of algorithms and you know changing of the wind direction like you will would be on youtube so that's what's going on that was sort of my year in review and sort of like looking for what's going to happen i'm still going to put out the odd uh nes punk video but to me that's a loss leader at this point i mean it just is um going back to the stadium events video it i worked 80 hours on that 60 70 hours somewhere in that neighborhood and it just the, the views do not justify the work it just doesn't i can't survive if i just do nes punk videos you just can't you know, unless I got funding up front through, you know, Patreon or a Kickstarter. Oh, I'll do a whole season of, of 13 episodes for this amount of money. It, it wouldn't raise the amount to justify it, probably. Um, and plus, it's just not as interesting as it probably once was anyway. Not to say that they can't be interesting. It's just in where I am now versus 10 years ago, I'm an entirely different person, different place. And that's only natural. There's not many of these YouTube series that lasted 10 years. TV shows don't last 10 years, let alone five, so... So I feel it's amazing that, you know, James has kept the fire to do like the AVGN stuff for, you know, 12 years, just about full time. There you have it. Uh, cool. So year in review. Uh, it's going to be exciting next year. Look out for a certain Super Nintendo Kickstarter. That's going to be January. I'm proud to be working with NordVPN. It's what I use to keep myself safe online. And you can too. Now they're offering... 66% off a two-year plan when you go to nordvpn.com slash pat or use code pack at checkout. A VPN is a virtual private network. Having one is more essential than ever because 
anything you do online, your info and browsing habits are out there for people to get a hold of. Having a VPN helps mask that. ISPs can track our every move and use our private info to their benefit by selling our browsing habits, even slowing down the sites we visit. With NordVPN, you have access to over 4,000 super speedy servers, and those connections secure your information using military-grade encryption. There's a NordVPN app for your phone, for your laptop, computer. Uh, it's available on uh, iOS, Android devices, Mac, and PC. One account lets you protect up to six devices. And on top of that, PC Mag made NordVPN their editor's top VPN choice. So again, for that special offer to protect your internet privacy, and 66% off a two-year plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pat or use code PAT and get going with your secure web browsing today. So this is a story that I want to get into. And this isn't, I'm not going to try to try my best not to, you know, attack the president. But the president talked to a, a, a seven-year-old girl on the phone. It's a photo op, uh, him and Melania are, you know, hanging out in front of a Christmas tree. And um, the president asked if, if she believed, she believes in, in Santa and it's it was Coleman Coleman Lloyd seven years old uh asked and they always do this stuff with like NORAD where someone kid will call it NORAD or NORAD will well you know NORAD's the North American Aerospace Defense Command that's the one you see in war games when they go, we're gonna go to DEFCON 3 you know where they launch the missiles and see what's going on around the world so she calls them up and they always do something like oh we're tracking santa he's over you know he's in iceland right now they do weird shit like that with the military i don't know it's because 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 kids are cool people like christmas and and the santa thing's kind of kind of cool when you think about the concept so they patched norad patches in this little girl to talk to the president so the president uh the president asks are you still a believer in santa she said yes sir so the president response is because at seven, that's marginal, right? She said, yes, sir. It turns out afterwards, but she didn't know what the word marginal said. So I'm really not trying. I don't think the, the, uh, the president tried to ruin Christmas on purpose. Cause that would be like, the, you know, the depths of hell for, for where your soul is. I don't think he was trying to be craven in his response to this little girl. And in order to have her question about what, why do I believe in Santa when I'm seven? But that's basically what he said. At seven, that's marginal, right? Saying like, like how many seven-year-olds believe in in Santa? Or isn't, or isn't that, you know, you're barely believing in Santa at seven? That's basically what he was asking her. So obviously the president does not know how to talk to children if that's the way you're going to talk to a seven-year-old who's asking about Santa Claus. Like asking, really, you believe in Santa at seven? Or how many seven-year-olds believe in Santa? That's That's what he was asking. So he doesn't want to talk to children. We can agree, probably agree on that, that that's not the best thing to ask a seven-year-old. You might be ruining Christmas for someone or potentially making a kid cry if they believe in Santa, and that's how they find out they, they were not. But I, I, don't think, I don't think he meant to do that. He just doesn't know how to talk to children, which that's a whole other conversation entirely about his uh, personality defects there. But that's not that would be the least of his concerns going into 2019 for sure um, about worrying about Santa Claus. So, but I want to get into that topic from that the fact that, that believing in Santa, at least in my household, it wasn't really... My parents didn't really try to convince me. I I definitely didn't believe in Santa by six by Christmas of, of, of 86 when I was six. I definitely didn't believe in Santa anymore. So before that, though, 
like, yeah, we put out milk and cookies. But I guess I was not that I was like this genius kid, but I always was. I always asked. I was that kid who always asked questions when they were a kid. It was curious about things. So in my mind, it was just logistically, how the hell does Santa visit every single household in, in, in the U.S.? Not even thinking about the rest of the world where they believe in Santa Claus or have Christianity going on. Not that, well, at this point, Santa Claus has, has little to do with Christianity. It's, it's all about you know, commercialism with Macy's and Bloomingdale's going back. But I just thought time-wise, if, if, if he starts at, he's got to start at midnight, right? So Santa starts at midnight Christmas Day, at Christmas Eve midnight turning into Christmas Day, the 25th. He's got about, you want to give him a good seven hours before kids start to wake up, before all those presents have to be delivered? That's just a long haul. That's just a long haul. He's got to get down all those chimneys, put those presents under the tree somehow. He's got to eat those milk and cookies, shoot back up with his magic. Then I'm thinking about, I always thought about as a kid, how many, because we didn't have a traditional fireplace in my household none of the houses in my neighborhood did they were all like you know the houses built uh you know in the 50s you know like those track houses you know, probably a couple of miles to choose from they all were the same split level houses you know all all traditional you know two bedroom houses two bedrooms one bath some had an upstairs where you can add another bedroom that's all these houses were so there was no chimney yeah you all had I mean, you had, you know, exhaust coming out or whatever from somewhere, from your heat and whatever, but you didn't have a fireplace. So, so you know where to hang your stockings, nowhere for Santa to jump in and then come out. So these are things I thought of as a kid because I was crazy when I was a kid. In between watching Gem and G.I. Joe, I was thinking about stuff like this. So my parents, like, uh, put out milk and cookies when I was younger, when I was like three, four, and five, I believe. And, you know, I wrote, like, uh, I think I wrote a letter once when I was five. I think I could kind of write when I was five. But by the time I was six, my father didn't even try to pretend to care whether or not I should be believing in Santa anymore. Because he'd be said, oh, give me, give me your Christmas list. I'm like, well, I can go to Santa. Just give me your Christmas list. Okay. Here's my, here's my list for, you know, I want uh, G.I. Joe figures. And I want the, you know, I want the G.I. Joe Toma, uh, Tomahawk uh, helicopter. And uh, I want, uh, uh, before even before the NES. I want like a Transformer figure or a Chuck Norris figure or whatever else. How did Chuck Norris have figures in the 80s? Well, he was popular then. Anyway, so I, I knew it hit me though when it must have been 86. Because I think I got that Tomahawk uh, G.I. Joe helicopter. Is that the price tags were kept. My, my, I'm going to say my father, not my mom. My mom probably wanted to try a little more. She was always a little more childlike than my father. My father just was too lazy enough to peel off the, the price tag sticker. So I saw like Bradley's on it or, or Caldor or Kmart, which was like the trifecta of where my parents bought things for me besides, you know, Toys R Us. Those are like the smaller department stores outside the mall. Bradley's, Kmart, Caldor. Kmart's still around. I think they were bought by Target. But so I went on the East Coast. When I say Bradley's or, or Caldor, you're like, oh, my God, that comes to mind. Because those are those dead sort of like, you know, stores that had everything. They had toys. They had clothes. They had you know, everything. They're kind of like, they're like the, the, the smaller version of a Target. That's the best analogy you can say. Target's like the gigantic version of all these regional, regional like the department type stores. So my dad didn't even try. So I was at least uh, smart. No, I, okay. So Santa's has elves or he makes this stuff himself. He's not going to buy these at Bradley's. He's not going to Bradley's and disguising himself to buy presents along with the other people. I kind of figured that probably wasn't not a possibility. 
But I still, I think, held that hope for a while that maybe Santa brought certain presents and then your parents and relatives bought others because you got stuff from your grandparents. On Christmas Day, you would go to your grandparents uh, for dinner or see your extended relatives and you would get presents from them. Your uncle or your aunt would give you presents and your grandparents would. And you realize that, okay, that's coming directly from them. So I always, I always, I think I held that hope for a year that there was like this batch of presents that that Santa got you and then there was a batch that your parents did. At least I think that's what they tried to do, but then they didn't try that, so they just gave it up. But I, but I think believing in Santa is is a critical part of Christmas, regardless of your religion or what you bring your kids up for. Just because it just it just ties into the whole magical happy feeling. You want there to be some weird, uh, overweight, uh, gigantic elf man out there that delivers presents to you and breaks and enters into houses once a year and just brings joy to to, to kids. You want to believe that because it's just a nice... You want to get away from the horror show that is the world at some point in time. And that's a good way to do it. You believe in this magical... You know, used to be a saint. They don't mention the St. Nicholas thing anymore ever, but based upon a saint, they don't do that. But uh, Jolly Old St. Nick, that's sort of been lost in the shuffle. Um, <laughs> over the decades, they probably tried originally, then probably by the 30s, they were probably like, okay, well, we're, we're going to stop this. We're going to put this guy in every street corner... Uh, for the Salvation Army, just stick him in, in into 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 uh, you know Bloomingdale's and and have kids sit on the, this guy's lap, and we're not going to associate it with you know Christianity that much anymore. Which is why it was always funny to me that South Park started on you know Jesus fighting Santa because they acknowledged that hey you know it's a holiday about you know the birth of uh, the foundation of one of the world's largest religions, but that's been lost to some guy in a red suit wearing a red hat like this. It's just been lost. You know, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, people might even forget that. Uh, anyway, it's getting, getting semi-depressing to think about that, but that's just, you know, that's just the way it works out. <laughs> Christmas is fun. Santa's a fun concept. I love Christmas time. I love the songs. Uh, you know, I, I love the whole feeling, and I love eating the, uh, the uh, you know, the Italian Christmas stuff, which we'll get into. I love Flex Pro Meals. They're a meal delivery company that sends healthy pre-made meals to your doorstep. Their goal isn't to give you just salad, but epic recipes like game day chili, breakfast burritos, smoked brisket mac, and more. These are entrees you may have grown up on, but they make healthier versions of. Makes it a lifestyle choice. You get these meals, you eat them, you don't have to worry about preparing them for yourself, and you have peace of mind that they're not just yummy, but they're nutritious. Now, Flex Pro Meals has a weight loss fat trimmer plan and a lean muscle plan. It's a larger portion. That's what I get <laughs> for a little more per meal. Some of the most popular entrees, like I said before, smoked brisket mac, game day chili, breakfast burrito, chicken alfredo, and the list goes on and on. On me and Ian talked about the um, they have that deep dish uh, breakfast pizza, which is eggs and sausage. Oh, it's delicious uh, as well. Uh, for twenty percent off your first order, use code Pat when you visit flexpromeals.com. Again, that's twenty percent off using code Pat at flexpromeals.com. They also have nice little protein packed desserts you can order there. And you can select how many meals per week. You can you can skip weeks. It's totally up to you. Again, go to flexpromeals.com and then use code PAT at checkout. Uh, so we'll do some questions here before I get going. And uh, I'm doing a post-Christmas uh, yoga to burn off some of these calories. Uh, this is from at the Lazy Shell 42. Video games that you associate with Christ- uh, Christmas Memories like I had the flu in '93, had to stay home for Christmas dinner, but stayed in bed playing Kirby's Dreamland. Oh, you, you know, you, you, were, you were lucky to have that, have a Game Boy at least, unless you meant Kirby's Adventure. But anyway, uh, I associate 
for horrible reasons, Zelda 2. You probably heard the story. I wrote about it in a certain NES guidebook and talk about it in the CU podcast. Let's go about it. I was supposed to get it for Christmas of uh, Christmas of, of, of 88. And it didn't arrive until, you know, uh, April of, of 89. It didn't arrive from Sears. Ordered that from the Sears catalog. So I always, for the wrong reasons, associate Christmas with that. But I also got... Um, what was the other one I got around Christmas that my parents tried to hold back for me? Oh, uh, Mike Tyson's punch out. I think I got for uh, one of the Christmases. Might have been as well for no, it wasn't for eighty seven. God, I think that was. I, I think that I think actually Zelda two was the only NES game I got technically for Christmas, and then I remember I think that's the only one I got. The most I got for my birthday or just save my allowance for on the side. Um, but what I do associate more so, if you want to call them video games, those Tiger. LCD games, I, I was so excited for those as a kid. And one year, it must have been the uh, 89 or 90. Probably 90s when the Tigers started to get more of the licensed properties. 89, they were still doing the generic like baseball, uh, football, pinball, karate. You know, like fun handhelds, but they weren't like licensed IPs, like video game properties. But Christmas, I think, of 90, I got both Double Dragon the Double Dragon handheld and Ninja Gaiden games that I loved. I didn't own the NES version. My parents got me those, and I I just remember getting up in the morning and everything was wrapped. I remember forget this. Everything was wrapped in this gold. My 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 parents would like color coordinate uh, the presents for who you know what kid they were by what color the wrapping paper was. So my all my presents that year were wrapped in gold, and so they were under the tree, and I could see the shape because they were in a blister pack, a big blister pack. The L- the uh, Tiger LCD handhelds are in this blister pack, so I got so excited because that's what I knew exactly what they were, and I played those LCD games so much. My parents didn't want it; I'm not sure they could afford it, but I never had a Game Boy because the Game Boy was ninety bucks and the games were like thirty bucks each, so they couldn't afford that. But they can get me a ten fifteen dollar you know LCD handheld. That's the way they looked at it, and they were fun. Car rides, car trips. You brought them to your you know your 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 cousin's house or your friend's house to play, even though they made fun of you because they had a they had a real Game Boy or they had a real Game and Watch, and you had a a Tiger LCD. So those are the best memories I have when it comes to video games around Christmas. Was that besides getting the Super Nintendo Christmas of '91, uh, well, it was bought for me like a couple of days afterwards for my own money. Anyway, <laughs> um, this is from at Blood Ocean 07. Did did you go out and look at people's Christmas lights? Um. I usually do. I enjoy the Christmas lights. I get a, like a kick out of it as a kid. My parents used to put up a little bit of lights, but not that much. There's a street that's not too far from me where every year there's most of the houses usually put on a pretty grand display. Not as good as it was when I first moved here where it was like literally every house. Now it's like 60% of the houses because some people probably moved or got sick of it, of competition with their neighbors. But it's one of those things where the, like people know to go to this street and they stop and they look at every single house and they allow people to like walk up to the front door. It's one of those sort of deals where it's, it's an event to go to. And I'll probably go to it in a couple of days before uh, New Year's Eve because they keep the, they keep it going until like New Year's uh, Day. So um, yeah, I love seeing I love seeing um, like now they have inflatable like Santas and they have animatronic deers and things like that. And they had I saw one that was like a window shop set up and like they had like a, one of those bay windows and they had all the toys and stuff and a stuffed Mickey Mouse set up. But they also had like moving like. Uh, like like uh, Santa and Santa's uh, Mrs. Claus were like moving around, and it was really well done, really well done. So I, I get a kick out of that stuff. It's fantastic. Uh, worst Christmas present ever. I'll do that last. That's a funny one. I think. Um, okay. 
This is from at E.T. Rod. How is your Italian Catholic roots influenced the way you celebrate Christmas and New Year's Eve? Well, New Year's Eve isn't really affected by being Italian or growing up Catholic. That's not really much, except you have to go to you have to go to Mass. Uh, New Year's Day is a holy day of obligation, as it's called. Let me just make sure that's correct. Um, that that it's New Year's Day. Yes. So there's, so the holy days of obligation. There's like what six or seven outside of the Sundays you, you have to go to every 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 week. There's about six or seven days throughout the year you have to go to have to go to mass for, or else it's a moral sin and you get sent to hell. That's what you're taught. That's what you're taught when you're an eight year old in grade school. So you have Christmas Day. Okay, here's the holy days of, of obligation for dummies. This is a great thing because I forget them. January 1st, the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God. January 1st is a holy day. So that affects you because then when you get up, uh, if you're up late, when you're up till midnight, when you're like six, seven, eight years old, that's like, you might as well stay up the whole night at that point. Because I was usually in bed by like nine or eight. So you have to go to church. January 1st, Feast of Mary, Mother of God. Got to give up for OG Mary. 40, 40 days after Easter Sunday is the Ascension, is Ascension Thursday. That's a holy day. That's for Jesus. After he rose from the dead, he went and said, all right, guys, I'm out. Take care of this stuff yourself. I'm back up to heaven. Uh, August 15th, the Assumption of Mary into heaven. Mary's like, okay, everyone, I'm out too. I'm not going to die. I'm just going to go up and enjoy my son. So that's August 15th. All Saints Day, the day after Halloween, a day after another holiday. Uh, this is the one I, I usually forget about. The other ones are usually in my head a little bit. Um, December 8th is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. So for some reason, you celebrate, you pre-celebrate Christmas on December 8th. It's part of like the whole, like uh, in Catholicism, you have like four weeks of celebration leading up to Christmas. That's like the first Sunday leading up to that or something like that. I forget. But so December 8th is one I always forget. And obviously Christmas, you have to celebrate. Now, my mom used to always try to drag me to mass um, on Good Friday. But I don't think, Ash Wednesday is definitely not a holy day of obligation. My mom would drag me uh, Ash Wednesday, you know, the start of Lent. Is that what forty days before uh, Easter, whatever it is? Um, my mom would try to drag me for Ash Wednesday to get ashes. Uh, Holy Thir- uh, Thursday, which is the Thursday before Sunday, nah, no, that's where they had the Last Supper. No one really cared about that much. But then Good Friday, my mom used to drag me to that. You wanted to go around noon because that's when like Jesus was supposedly hung on the cross was like around noon, you know. And so you would go to uh, Good Friday Mass, uh, you know, and they they cover up Jesus. So Catholicism is the only Christian uh, sect where in church you see the crucifix, you see the crucifix, which is Jesus hung out to die being tortured on the cross. All other Christian churches, for the most part, I'm not sure about like Greek Orthodox or like Russian Orthodox, were probably the closest to Catholicism or Eastern Orthodox. And all the other ones, you just see a cross, which represents the resurrection because Jesus is down from the cross and he's risen again. Catholicism more likes to celebrate the torture and anguish of, of being alive and, and you know, what it means to be a sinner. So you, you walk in the church and you see Jesus suffering with nails in his hands and, and feet every Sunday. That's what you grew up with. So they would cover him up with like a shroud or like a blanket, you know, uh, the week before, the week before uh, Easter, they would do that. So... So anyway, those are the five, uh, excuse me, six holy days of obligation. So this, well, this, I went off on a tangent, but that's what this podcast is about. I went off on a tangent. But so, yeah, so <laughs> New Year's Day 
has nothing to do when it comes to uh, celebrating, when you're being Italian, but you have to go to church if you're a Protestant Catholic. I'm not a Protestant Catholic anymore, though, so I can get away with that. But Christmas, though, come on. Christmas is all about Christmas Eve dinner. If you're Italian, come on. Maron, the food you have. The Feast of the Seven Fish, right? So you're supposed to have, if you're Italian, uh, you're supposed to have at least, it's Feast of the Seven Fishes, they call it. Festa de Sette Pesci. Also known as the Eve, we always call it the Feast of the Seven Fishes. It's Italian-American celebration of Christmas Eve with dishes of fish and other seafood. So traditionally, if you were, an, uh, if you were a Catholic, before Vatican II, uh, you couldn't eat meat on any Friday. I'm not sure people realize that if you're not Catholic. That Back until what, whenever Vatican II was, was the early 60s, I believe. And, and that's important when they said at the Vatican II where they said, you know what, finally the, the Mass is going to be in English or your local language. The Mass isn't going to be in, in, in dead Latin anymore. Like Stuff like that happened with Vatican II. We probably need a Vatican III, though. But there had been a Vatican in like a thousand years plus, so having one was good, I guess. That's where they gather, they gather all like the archbishops and you know people of the world and the church leaders. They go to the Vatican and they hash out the new rules of the church. So that was Vatican II. So they softened the rules after that to say that you can eat meat every Friday, except for Lent, except for the 40 days between Ash Wednesday and, and Easter. Can't eat fish on Friday. So they, they at least kept that tradition. So eating fish is a big Italian thing to begin with, though, because it's a Mediterranean and there's a lot of coastal towns. And, you know, you go to an Italian restaurant down the street or a pizzeria, you won't find fish usually because it's that's more based on the, you know, Sicilian, more, uh, you want to say lower class Italian American that most of the Italians I came to, uh, the America, my, some of my mine included, were, you know, the lower class Italians. They wanted a new opportunity. Thankfully, um, my great grandfather on my one side who was Italian, I had great grandparents on both sides that were Italian. But on the one side, he, he built himself up and he, he started his own own business, his own uh, tailoring business. So he got to that middle class and you build the wealth eventually. And that's how it happens with you know the immigrant story. The great immigrant story of America is usually come your lower class and you build it up for the next generation. The next generation goes to college and so forth and so forth. The American dream. I fucking love it. Land of opportunity. I'll, I'll, I will swear by that till the day I die. The U.S. here, the, most, the biggest chance for opportunity out of any country probably on the face of the earth. I still maintain that. Some positives to this country still. I'm never going <laughs> to say there aren't. Um, but the Feast of the Seven Fishes builds upon that Italian tradition. So in my household, you start with the antipasta, huh? You get the antipasta. You got, you got your bacala salad, which is your cod salad. You have your olive salad that you, you, you marinate for, my grandma marinated for a day. You did that. You know, and then you have, uh, you know, you got your, you got your, you know, your little brisciotte meat. So I would, we would have meat on Christmas Eve. I guess traditionally you weren't supposed to, but we would have your brisciotte, your fresh, fresh mozzarella. You'd have things like that. You'd have, you know, your little, um, your little. Uh, we'd have like sardines and anchovies. This is this is the starter course, by the way. Some people do like a capicola or a hot ham. We just did the prosciutto. Um, we just did that. We would do the sharp uh, provolone. We would do that. You'd have your fresh bread. You would do that. You'd have your uh, pepperoncini. You would do that. So you'd have this nice soiree. And I'm probably forgetting. Oh, sometimes you do eggplant salad. Frank's Frank's sister would traditionally make eggplant salad. And I'd have a little bit of that on Christmas Day. So I usually celebrate Christmas Day with Frank uh, while I'm out here. So you have a bunch of this stuff that you would go nuts on. So I guess traditionally this started as you would fast the whole day until 
the, the dinner, which usually didn't start, the Italian Christmas Eve dinner doesn't start till like seven or eight at night. A lot of people don't realize that it starts late, and it goes till about midnight or longer, depending on how many courses of what you do. Um, so we would start at probably around seven, seven thirty. We sit down, we have that first course, which is like forty-five minutes to an hour. Uh, 45 minutes want us to say was that and then you would give a good like half hour in between to catch up because that wasn't enough for a meal you had your salami as well i forgot about that so you had all these this nice stuff going on looking at wikipedia they mentioned bakla uh, salted codfish salad that was that's great um yeah so okay custom of celebrating with a simple fish such as bakla reflects customs and what were historically impoverished regions of southern italy as well as seasonal factors yeah, southern italian sicily that's a lot of people that came over to the U.S. in the early 20th century. Uh, calamari. Sometimes we'd have calamari as well. Sometimes we'd have squid. We would uh, do squid. Sometimes we would do that as well. But then you get to the second course. The second course part of it, we usually did... Um, I'm looking at the list here. I was Wikipedia for the Feast of the Seven Fishes. For, uh, the second course was usually the main fish meal. So for that, we would have, we would have sometimes deep-fried calamari or some sort of a deep-fried cod. Uh, we would do either fried fish or we do uh some sort of grilled shrimp sometimes we do both we do a little bit of fried uh shrimp my mom had a little little deep fryer or do the grilled as well um we did scallops a couple years never did lobster uh we would do mussels sometimes sometimes we did shrimp cocktail i'm looking at this list here uh so that's you do like a mix of yeah some of these technically, technically shrimp's not a fish so these are mollusks but then you moved into that would tie into linguine. So we would traditionally do linguine with white clam sauce. Most of the years, white clam and not red. Uh, so the white is more um, more oil-based. It's tasty. You throw the oysters in there, mud on. Uh, you know, and, it, and so that was your, like, second course that you would have. That, by that point, you are struggling. Because the antipasta is a meal even of itself. So you, have, you would have that. You'd have some sort of fish dish, some linguine clam sauce, and sometimes you'd have a combination of calamari or something else with it, or, or shrimp, whatever. Octopus salad, I think we might have had one year. I'm looking at this list, but I don't remember it. Then you'd have that. By this point in time, it should be about 9.30, 10 at night, if not later. It might be 10.30 or so. Then you relax for like 45 minutes at least. You know, you have to clean up all the... My mom used to get all the nice, nice china, the nice plates... The nice silverware, you clean that stuff by hand. You know, usually the men would just walk around or talk. Sometimes the men helped. I would help clean up some stuff. Don't never like dishes as a kid, though. Then you go to dessert, which are Italian pastries. When this is the reason why I already have on in only a few days of eating for Christmas, I probably gain like seven pounds. So the Italian pastries, uh, even people that are in middle America know about, everyone knows about cannolis. We know that. Come on, cannolis. Is, you know, it's it's a sort of a deep fried shell, so to speak, and then you put in, you know, the cream, the creamy cheese filling, little shaped pistachios, or you would do a little bit of chocolate chips, or you can go a little fruit if you're going Sicilian style. There you have that, but that's not it. You'd have Napoleons, which was a, a French, it's a French uh, pastry layered with custard inside, and now that is not that didn't originate in Italy. That's associated as being part of an Italian pastry. You go to any Italian deli, they will have Napoleons there. Napoleons are sort of like uh, French region, European, but Italian as well. I think even in Russia they have them. So you have that. 
we had butterflies, which are almost like um, a cupcake style custard topping. Uh, but you cannot find them anywhere anymore, unfortunately. I haven't had one in about 12 years, so it's annoying. I even tried calling back east uh, bakeries, finding them. Then you would have other things. Sometimes my dad would buy himself an Italian cheesecake. Now, the difference between traditional cheesecake and Italian cheesecake is Italian cheesecake has the regular cheesecake cheese, but it also has ricotta or rigotte, if you want to do the you know southern Italian poor dialect, rigotte. Which made the Italian cheesecake the richest thing in the world. I could never finish a whole slice. I'd have like four bites and want to die. It was so rich. So my father would buy that, traditional Italian cheesecake. Then you'd have struffoli sometimes. Now struffoli is um, not in most even Italian bakeries. My sister shipped me out some from East Coast. I only found one Italian bakery that made them in the West Coast. And they no longer make them because no one wants them. So struffoli are small deep fried honey balls that are then doused in, in uh, they're doused in honey, deep fried balls that are doused in, in honey, like dough balls or dough balls, deep fried dough balls doused in honey. And usually like jimmies, like colored jimmies or, and then there's like a little, like candy cherries put on it. It looks heavier than what it is. It's actually light. It's sweet. You can eat like a nice handful of them. You don't feel like you want to die. So then we have that. Then my mom usually makes, some sort of a tradi- traditional chocolate chip. She does chocolate chip. Uh, she does then does, uh, um, peanut butter half dipped in chocolate. Sometimes my sister would make biscotti. So then you have the cookies on top. Then you'd have the chocolate candies. Or it's a mix of like pretzels and nuts. And it, you throw it in chocolate. You let it cool. Then you have that sometimes. This is all the same dessert, by the way. This is all the same dessert session. So this is like three desserts in and of itself. I'm probably even forgetting some things. Uh, Rambabi sometimes you would have that's another Italian one um, so then you have like literally 10 different types of desserts you have to sample at least one of everything or at least a part you would do that and then hopefully not die oh then you have struffoli not struffoli you have a, a suivdel which is hard to pronounce because it's spelled um, S-F-O-G-L-I L-I-A-T-E-L-L-E suivdel that's kind of how you sell it. Say it. We always call it Shri Adel because it's easy to say that. So that's a puff pastry that's kind of crusted on the outside. Inside it has nice custard on like a custard like filling with a cakeiness. It's soft. Oh, it's so good. And then you can put them in the toaster oven. Then you have the Pantone bread, which is like that really yellow sweet uh, bread with sugar on it, like the high loaf. You have that sometimes. It's insane. So by the time you're done eating this shit. It's like 11.45 at night when you're done with the Feast of the Seven fish Fishes, which is a, a whole five-hour orgy of food. It, it's it's literally what my year revolves around, at least what it used to, because it, it was the main event of eating. You had to prep for that. As I've gotten older, I cannot eat nearly what I used to be able to eat. Like I can't even eat half what I used to be able to eat, unfortunately. So it's more depressing in, in that way. If I force it, I pay for it more. But, oh, my God, it's great. But then you have leftovers for like seven days afterwards. So you, you have a chance to p- pack on the pounds for a whole week afterwards. So that's the Feast of the Seven Fishes. And, and that's the biggest part of being an Italian slash Catholic uh, around Christmas. Christmas Day is when you'd have the meat sauce. So Christmas Day, you'd go to your go to your grandma's house or another relative. And then you'd have either stuffed shells, manicotti, uh, baked ziti. Uh, yeah, you'd have like one of those things, something, some pasta with a cheese in it. 
Then you'd have meatballs and sauces and brajol and things like that with a salad. That was Christmas Day. Then you get back to your, you know, your uh, ginzan roots, as as Frank would say. Like you get back to your, you know, this is what hey, real ginzans eat. Then, um, worst Christmas presents ever. Oh, I forgot about one thing. Sorry. Midnight mass would happen uh, Christmas Eve at 12. So my, my mom would try to drag me and my sister to Christmas uh, midnight, midnight mass. Because then, then you don't have to worry about getting up at, after, after you uh, open up your presents. You don't have to run the church at like 10 o'clock or 9.30. You get out of the way uh, midnight mass, which is great because you, you get that nice 45-minute mass, not hour and 15 or hour and a half long. You get out really quickly. So it's nice. Finally, this is from at Mahomes Goat. Worst Christmas present ever. This one is easy. And this was, I was probably nine years old, maybe 10. Uh, my Aunt Jo, she, may she rest in peace. She died in 2000 and, uh, she died 2006. Is it 2006 or 2008? 2006 or eight. I, I always forget those two. But she died, unfortunately, of a brain aneurysm. One year, she gave me um, and I couldn't, cont- I couldn't hold in my contempt. Unfortunately, when you're a kid, it's hard. I know when you're a kid, you're awful. When you get, when you get a present, you don't like. She got me a blue tracksuit, matching blue with red stripe or, or, or around the arm and legs, like heavy tracksuit style, sweatpants style, but tracksuit, uh, zippered top, and you know, sweat sweatsuit style bottom. Basically, a sweatsuit. What she got me when I was like nine or ten years old. And I could not contain my horror of how much I did not like that. Because, first of all, I don't know if it was a clue for me to get, get chubby little pat into shape, but it didn't work. Uh, it just didn't look, it would not be something I would ever would have worn out. When you're a kid, you wear like jams. I wish jams make a, made a comeback. I wear jams tomorrow. You wear jams or jean shorts as a child were popular. Uh, khaki shorts weren't popular, but denim shorts were. Those was, That's what you did when you were a kid. Or you wore just jeans or slacks or whatever or Oshkosh by gosh and I grew out of that phase by then so to see that like this weird track suit was just not something I was expecting so we I, I remember hanging it up in my haunted room for years and then I tried putting it on when I was like 13 or 12 years later and obviously grew up by then so my sister I remember took a picture of me I think she took a picture but I, my the, the, the lower end of my gut was like hanging out of it since I, I had grown up I could barely fit in the pants I couldn't fit in the top so I might I might have tried wearing that track suit one time, that blue workout sweatsuit. Really a workout sweatsuit. Might have tried wearing it one time. I felt awful about it. To this day, I felt awful. I think I apologized to my aunt maybe 10 years later about that track suit because it was one of those presents that even my sister knew about that stood out. Like this was just a totally off present that was not something I would have worn, even if I was a runner or I was working out when I was 9 or 10. It was just sort of a weird space to buy a kid a workout sort of, sweatsuit when they were like that young it just was i don't know where she found it i don't know where she came up with the idea my parents didn't tell her about it so that sort of stood out as an awful present that again rest in peace to my aunt uh, that was a bad decision though aunt Woo, that was a bad one and that's it for this uh nuts come podcast thanks a lot for keeping up with me this year um and supporting me and my endeavors in my online and offline career it's going to be more offline soon with some endeavors but it'll be online as well um you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, your other uh, podcast platform of choice if you'd like. A Stitcher is another one. You can like the podcast. You can uh, recommend it to others if you like my ramblings. 
And if you want to uh, help support me in the Not So Common Podcast and my other endeavors, I have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash patcountry. It's not required, of course, but you get some little bonuses there uh, as well. And it's just, you know, just like a tip jar I, I treat it as. And uh, 2019 is going to be a great year. You can pre-order. If you don't want to wait for the Kickstarter, you can pre-order a certain NES guidebook. Well, you can order a certain NES guidebook, but a certain Super Nintendo guidebook at ultimatesnes.com. Thanks so much, everyone. I really appreciate you sticking along with 2018. Let's, let's look forward to a very positive, odd-numbered year, the last year of the 2010s, 2019. Oh, we're all getting old. I'll see you later.